0: Chapter 11 of Dot and the Kangaroo by Ethel C. Pedley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tess. The next day they travelled a long distance. At about noon they came to a part of the country, which the kangaroo said she knew well. But we must be careful, she added, as we are very near humans in this part. As Dot was tired, for she had had to walk much more than usual, the kangaroo suggested that she should rest at the pretty spot they had reached, whilst she herself went in search of Willie Wagtail. Dot had to promise the kangaroo over and over again not to leave the spot during her absence. She was afraid lest the little girl should get lost like the little Joey. After many farewells and much hopping back to give Dot warnings and make promises of returning soon, The kangaroo went in search of Willy Wagtail, and the little girl was left alone. Dot looked for a nice shady nook in which to lie down and rest, and she found the place so cheerful and pretty that she was not afraid of being alone. She was in the hollow of an old watercourse. It was rather like an English forest glade, it was so open and grassy, and here there were pretty shrubs and little hillocks and hollows. At first Dot thought that she would sit on the branch of a huge tree that had but recently fallen, and lay forlornly clothed in withered leaves, but opposite to this dead giant of the bush was a thick shrub with a decayed tree-stump beside it, and made a nice sheltered corner which she liked better. So Dot laid herself down there, and in a few minutes she was fast asleep, though as she dropped off into the land of dreams she thought now how wonderfully quiet the little glade was, and felt somewhat surprised to find no bush creatures to keep her company. Some time before Dot awoke, her dreams became confused and strange. There seemed to be great crowds of them, and the murmur of many voices talking together. As she gradually awakened, she realized that the voices were real, and not a part of her dreams. There was a great hubbub, a fluttering of wings, and rustling of leaves and grass, Through all this confusion, odd sentences became clear to her drowsy senses. Such phrases as, "'You'd better perch here. This isn't your place. Go over there.' "'No, no, I'm sure I'm right.' The welcome swallow says so. "'Has anyone gone for the opossum?' He says the court ought to be held at night. "'Don't make such a noise, or you will wake the prisoner. Who is to be the judge?' This last inquiry provoked such a noise of diverse opinions that Dot became fully awake and sitting up, gazed around, with eyes full of astonishment. When she had fallen asleep there had not been a creature near her, but now she was literally hemmed in on every side by birds and small animals. The branches of the fallen tree were covered with a feathered company, and in the open space between it and Dot's nook was a constantly increasing crowd of larger birds, such as cranes, plovers, duck, turkey buzzards, black swan, and amongst them a great grave pelican the animals were few and apparently came late there was a little timid wallaby a bandicoot and some kangaroo rats a shy wombat who grumbled about the daylight as also did a native bear and an opossum who were really driven to by gathering by a bevy of screaming parrots dot was wide awake at once with delight nearly every creature she had ever heard of seemed to be present and the brilliant colours of the parrots and parakeets made the scene as gay as a rainbow in a summer noonday sky. "'Oh, you darling," she said, "'how good of you all to come and see me!' This greeting from Dot caused an instant silence amongst the creatures, as she could not help seeing that they looked very uncomfortable. There was soon a faint whispering from bird to bird, which rose higher, until Dot made out that they were all saying, "'She ought to be told. You tell her. No, you tell her yourself. It's not my business.' And every bird for it was the birds, who, by reason of their larger numbers, took the lead in the proceedings, seemed to be trying to shift an unpleasant task upon its neighbours. Presently the solemn pelican waddled forward, and stood before Dot, saying to the assemblage, "'I will explain our presence.' Addressing the little girl, it said, "'We are here to place you on trial, for the wrongs we bush creatures have suffered from the cruelties of white humans. You will meet, with all fairness in your trial, as the proceedings will be conducted according to the custom of your own courts of justice the welcome swallow having built its nest for three successive seasons under the eaves of the gabble-gabble court-house is deeply learned in human law business and will instruct us how to proceed your conviction will therefore leave you no room for complaint so far as your trial is concerned all the birds clapped their wings in applause at the conclusion of this speech and the pelican was told by the welcome swallow that he should plead as prosecutor. "'What do you mean by plead as prosecutor?' asked the pelican gravely. "'You've got to get the prisoner convicted as guilty, whether she is so or not,' answered the swallow, making a dart at a mosquito, which he ate with relish. "'Oh!' said the pelican doubtfully, and all the creatures looked at one another, as if they didn't quite understand the justice of the arrangement. "'But,' said the pelican, hesitating a little, "'Suppose I don't think the prisoner guilty? She seems very small and harmless.' "'That doesn't matter at all. You've got to get her made out as guilty by the jury. It's good human law,' snapped the swallow. And all the creatures said, "'Oh, now for the defence,' said the swallow briskly. "'There ought to be someone for that. Who is friendly with the Queen?' "'Who's the Queen?' asked all the creatures breathlessly. "'She's a bigger human than the rest, and everybody's business is her business.' "'so she's always going to law.' "'I know,' said the magpie, and she piped out six bars of God Save the Queen. "'You are the one for the defence,' said the swallow, quite delighted, as were all the other creatures, at the magpie's accomplishment. "'You must save the prisoner from the jury finding her guilty.' "'But,' objected the magpie, "'how can I, when only last fruit season my brother and two sisters and six cousins were shot just because they ate a few grapes?' "'That doesn't matter. You've got to get her off, I tell you,' said the Swallow, irritably. "'Go over there and ask her what you were to say.' So the magpie flew over to Dot's side, and she at once began to teach it the rest of God Save the Queen. "'I like this game,' Dot said presently to the magpie. "'Do you?' asked the magpie with surprise. "'It seems very slow, and there's no sense in it.' "'Why are all the birds perching together over there?' asked Dot, pointing to a branch of the dead tree. "'since they all hate one another and want to get away. "'The galahs have pecked the butcher-bird twice in five minutes. "'The peewit keeps quarrelling with the soldier-bird, "'and none of them can bear the English sparrow.' "'The swallow says that's the jury,' answered the magpie. "'Their business is to do just what they like with you "'when all the talking is done, "'and whether they find you guilty or not "'will depend on if they are tired or hungry and feel cross, or if the trial lasts only a short time, and they are pleased with the grubs that will be brought them presently. How funny! said Dot, not a bit alarmed, at all these preparations for her trial, for she loved all the creatures so much that she could not think that any of them wished to hurt her. If this is human law, said the magpie, it isn't funny at all. It is mad or wicked. Fancy me having to defend a human.' At this point of their conversation the ill feeling amongst the jury broke out into open fighting because the English sparrow was a foreigner, and they said that it would certainly sympathise with the humans who had brought it to Australia. This was just an excuse to get rid of it. The sparrow said that it wanted to go out of the jury, and had never wished to belong to it, and flew away joyfully. Then all the rest of the jury grumbled at the good luck of the sparrow in getting out of the trial for they could see it picking up grass seed, and enjoying itself greatly, whilst they were all crowded together on one branch, and were feeling hungry before the trial had even begun. There was great suspense and quiet while the judge was being chosen. Although Dot had eaten the berries of understanding, it was generally considered that, to be quite fair, the judge must be able to understand human talk, and, amidst much cupping of wings, a large white cockatoo was appointed. The cockatoo lost no time in clambering into position, on the stump near Dot. "'You're quite sure you understand human talk?' said the little wallaby to the cockatoo. It was the first remark he had made, for he had been quite bewildered by all the noise and fuss. "'My word, yes!' replied the cockatoo, who had been taught in a public refreshment-room. Then, thinking that he would give a display of his learning, he elevated his sulphur crest, and grabbed off. "'Go to Jericho! twenty to one on the favourite i'm your man now then ma'am hurry up don't keep the coach waiting give up their beds bill so long ta-ra-ra god save the queen all the creatures presently looked gravely at dot to see what effect this harnage in her own language would have upon her and were somewhat surprised to see her holding her little sides and rolling about with laughter the cockatoo was quite annoyed at dot's amusement he fluffed out all his feathers, and let off a scream that could have been heard a quarter of a mile away. This seemed to impress everyone with his importance, and the whole court became attentive to the proceedings. At this moment the Swallow skimmed overhead, and having caught the words God Save the Queen, called out, "'That's the way to do it! Keep that up!' And the Cockatoo, thinking that the Swallow meant him to scream still more, set up another yell which he continued until everyone felt deafened by the noise. "'We have chosen quite the right judge,' said an elegant blue crane to a wild duck. "'He will make himself heard and respected, whereat the cockatoo winked at the crane, and said, "'You bet I will.'" The pelican now advanced to the space before the stump, and there was a murmur of excitement, because it was about to open the trial by a recital of wrongs done to the bush creatures by white humanity. Dot could not realize that she was being tried seriously, and was delighted that the pelican had come nearer to her stump, so that she had a better view of him. She thought him such an old, old old-looking bird, with his big bald head and gigantic beak. She could not help thinking that his beak might be too heavy for him, and asked if he would like to rest it on a stump. The pelican did not understand Dot's kindness, and gave her a look of offended dignity that was quite withering so dot did not speak to him again but she longed to feel if the bag of skin that drooped under his beak had anything in it the pelican's legs seemed to dot to be too frail and short to bear such a big bird not to mention the immense beak and when the creature stood on one leg only she laughed whereat the pelican gave her another offended look which effectively prevented their becoming friends the pelican was beginning to open his beak to speak and being such a large streak opening it took some time when the welcome swallow fussed into court and said that nothing could be done until they had some horsehair this interruption and the swallow's repeated assurance that no human trial of importance could take place without horsehair set all the creatures chattering with astonishment and questions some said that the swallow was joking others said that it was making senseless delays and that night would fall before they could bring the prisoner to justice. There was much grumbling on all sides, and complaints of hunger, and the jury began to clamber for the grubs that they had been promised, at which the magpie whispered to Dot that she certainly would be found guilty. The fact was now quite clear to the jury before the trial began. But the Swallow persisted that they must have horsehair. For what? everyone asked sulkily. "'Don't you see for yourselves?' squeaked the Swallow excitedly. "'The Judge looks like a cockatoo.' "'Well, of course he does,' said all the creatures. "'He is a cockatoo, so he looks like one.' "'Yes,' cried the Swallow, "'but you must stick horse hairs on his head. Human justice must be done with horse hair. The prisoner won't believe the cockatoo is a Judge without—' "'Good gracious!' exclaimed the Swallow. "'Just look. The prisoner is scratching the Judge's pole. We really must have horse hair.' dot seeing the swallow's indignation drew away from the stump and the cockatoo tried to look as if he had never seen her before and as if the idea of having his pole scratched by the prisoner was one that could never have entered his head but if we do put horsehair on the cockatoo's head argued the creatures what will it do it will impress the prisoner said the swallow how they all asked curiously because the cockatoo won't look like a cockatoo replied the swallow with exasperation "'Then what will he look like?' asked every creature, in breathless excitement. "'He won't look like any creature that ever lived,' retorted the swallow. Perfect silence followed this explanation, for every bird and animal was trying to understand human sense and reason. Then the smallest kangaroo-rat broke the stillness. "'If,' said the kangaroo-rat, "'only a little horsehair can do that. Surely the prisoner can imagine the judge isn't a cockatoo without our having to wait for the horse let's go on with the trial this idea was received with applause and the swallow flew off in a huff whilst the kookooburra on a tree near the court softly laughed to himself once more the pelican took up his position to open the trial the cockatoo puffed himself out as big as he could fluffed out his cheek feathers and half closed his eyes his solemnly attentive attitude won the admiration of all the court and the absence of horsehair was not felt by any one the welcome swallow having got over its ill temper returned to help the proceedings and the jury all put their heads under their wings and went to sleep fire away screamed the cockatoo and the trial began my duty is a most painful one said the pelican for whereas said the swallow the prisoner known named and described added the swallow as Dot is now before you, to be tried, heard, determined, and adjudged, gabbled the Swallow, on a charge of cruelty, and feloniously killing and slaying, prompted the Swallow, to birds and animals, the term not applying to horse, mare, gelding, bull, ox, dog, cat, heifer, steer, calf, mule, ass, sheep, lamb, hog, pig, sow, goat, or other domestic animals, interposed in one breath the Swallow, quoting the Cruelty to Animals Act. She is hereby put in the swallow brought to trial on divers whispered the swallow charges here and after said the swallow to be named and described by the aforesaid interjected the swallow birds and animals hereinbefore mentioned stated the swallow the said animals being denizens of the bush and in no wise relating to horse mare gelding bull ox began the swallow again when the cockatoo raised his crest and screamed out stop that i tell you and the pelican continued stating the charge bush law enacts said the swallow that whereas prompted the swallow all individual rights whatsoever put in the swallow shall be according to the statue victoria victoria twenty to one against the field shouted the judge "'Between you,' said the Pelican, looking angrily at the Swallow and the cockatoo. "'I've forgotten everything I was going to say. I shan't go on.' "'Never mind,' said the Swallow cheerfully. "'You've said quite enough, and no one has understood a word of the charge, so it's all right. Now then for the witnesses.' As the Swallow spoke, there was a great disturbance amongst the creatures. The swan, duck, cranes, and waterfowl, besides honeysuckers and many other birds— were all fanning the air with their wings and crying, Turn him out! Disgusting! I've never heard such a thing in my life! The smell of it always gives me a headache. And there was such a noise that the jury all woke up, and Dot covered her ears with her hands. The cockatoo, seeing Dot's distress at the screams and hubbub, and thinking that she wanted to say something, but could not make herself heard in the general riot, decided to speak for her. So he screamed louder than all the rest, and shouted, "'Apples, oranges, pears, lemonade, cigarettes, and cigars, I say! What's the row?' When quiet was restored, it was explained that the opossum had brought into court a pouch full of gum-leaves, which it was eating. It had also given some to the native bear and wallaby, and in consequence the whole air was laden with the odour of eucalyptus. "'Oh, dear,' said Dot, "'it smells just like when I have a cold.' Eating eucalyptus leaves in court is contempt of court, cried the swallow, and everyone echoed, Contempt of court, contempt of court, turn them out! But they are witnesses, objected the pelican. That doesn't matter, shouted the waterfowl. It's a disgusting smell, turn them out! Hurrah, shouted the wallaby as it leaped off. What luck, laughed the opossum as it cleared into the nearest tree. I'm glad, sighed the koala as it slowly moved away. "'That trial made my head feel empty.' "'Well, there go three of the most important witnesses,' grumbled the pelican. "'My eye, what a spree!' said the judge. A galah amongst the jury, wishing to be thought intelligent, inquired what charge the wallaby, nay to bear and opossum, were to bear witness to. "'It is a matter of skins included in the fur rug's claws, and the wickedness known as sport,' answered the pelican. Whilst the pelican was making this explanation, the judge, who had been longing to have his pole scratched again, sidled up to Dot, and whispered softly, Scratch Cocky's pole! But, just as he was enjoying the delicious sensation of Dot's fingers produced amongst his neck feathers, as he held his head down, the pelican caught sight of the proceeding. The pelican said nothing, but stared at the judge with an eye of such astonishment and stern contempt that the cockatoo instantly remembered that he was a judge, and, getting into a proper attitude, said hastily, Advance Australia! Who's the next witness? And again the cockaburra laughed to himself on the tree. "'Fur first, exclaimed a white ibis. "'Call the platypus!' "'The platypus won't come,' said the kangaroo-rat. "'Well, I never!' exclaimed the judge. It says that if a court is held at all, it should be conducted by the representation of antediluvian custom, the most ancient and learned creatures, such as the iguana, the snake, and the ornithorhynchus paradoxus, that it would prefer to associate with the meanest troglodyte rather than appear amongst the present company. I understood it to say, continued the kangaroo rat, that real law could only be understood by those deeply learned in fossils. "'Upon my word!' ejaculated the judge. "'Shiver my timbers! What blooming impudence!' "'Oh, you naughty bird, to use such words!' exclaimed Dot. But all the court murmured. "'How clever!' And the cockatoo was pleased. "'Native cat next!' shouted the white ibis. But at the first mention of the native cat, nearly every bird and all the small game prepared to get away. "'Why don't you call the dingo at once?' laughed the kookaburra, who was really keeping guard over Dot, although she did not know it. "'Humans kill dingoes.' "'The dingo! the dingo!' every creature repeated in horror and consternation. And they all looked about in fear, while the kookaburra chuckled to himself at all the stir his words had made. "'It's quite true that animals and birds kill one another,' said the magpie, who thought he ought to say something in Dot's defence, as that was part of his trial. Therefore it is the same nature that makes humans kill us. If it is the nature of humans to kill— the same as it is to the nature of birds and animals to kill, where is the sense and justice of trying the prisoner for what she can't help doing? Good, said the welcome swallow, argued like a lawyer. At this unexpected turn of the trial, the judge softly whistled to himself. Pop goes the weasel. Don't talk to us about nature and justice and sense, replied the pelican contemptuously. This is a court of law. We have nothing to do with any of them.' The court all cheered at this reply, and the magpie subsided into the sulks. "'Call the kangaroo!' cried the white ibis. "'It's no good,' jeered the kookooburra, "'Kangaroo and Dot are great friends. She won't come if you called—' "'Till all's blue!' interrupted the judge, and he went on, with—'Pop goes the weasel!' This news caused a buzz of excitement. Everyone was astounded that the kangaroo, who had the heaviest grievances of all, wouldn't appear against the prisoner. "'It is possible,' said the pelican, addressing the kookaburra in slow stern accents. "'Is it possible that the kangaroo has forgiven all her grievances?' "'All,' said the kookaburra. "'The hunting?' asked the pelican. "'Yes,' answered the kookaburra. "'The rugs?' "'Yes.' "'The boots?' "'Yes.' "'And,' said the pelican, still more solemnly and slowly, while all the court listened in breathless attention, "'and has she forgiven kangaroo tail soup?' "'Yes, she's forgiven that, too,' answered the kookaburra cheerfully. "'Then,' said the pelican hotly, "'I throw up the case,' and he spread his huge black wings, and flapped his way up to the sky and away. "'What a go,' said the judge, and he might have said more, only Dodd could not hear anything on account of the racket and confusion. The trial had failed, and every creature was making all the noise it could, and preparing to hurry away. In the middle of the turmoil, Dot's kangaroo bounded into the open space, panting with excitement and delight. "'Dot! Dot!' she cried. "'I found Willy Wagtail, and he knows your way. Come along at once!' And putting Dot in her pouch, the kangaroo leaped over the judge and carried her off. End of chapter 11 Recording by Tess